great. So that means our faces are going to be across the country. <laughs> they will, indeed. Oh, my God. Oh, dear. There goes our reputation. <laughs> oh, I think I just peed. <laughs> <laughs> my goodness. Welcome to AT Banter, the podcast where we discuss anything and everything regarding the world of assistive technology. With our hosts, Steve Barkley, Robineau, and Ryan Fleury. Now, let's banter. All right, and welcome to yet another episode of AT Banter. I am Rob Minot, and with me as per usual, Ryan Fleury. Hi there. And Steve Barkley. Howdy doody. And... We have a special guest in the studio today. Superstar. A a broadcast superstar. I know. A legend in broadcasting. He's going to put us to shame. an entourage. He brought a a camera crew (laughs) and everything. We have Grant Hardy from Accessible Media Incorporated. Is it Incorporated? Yeah, Yeah, Accessible Media Incorporated. There we go. Well, AMI. AMI. Thanks for coming all the way into lovely downtown Burnaby. Thank you so much for having me. This is awesome. This is the first time that uh, we've been filmed. That's true. Well, other than for, you know, police records. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, there's, there's those damn Skytrain cameras. <laughs> That's right, Rob. Keep your clothes on. Hey. Well, you Don't wouldn't believe, me. you know, how much effort I put into my clothes, my hair <laughs> for this podcast before it. realizing, oh, right, it's an audio program. I was a little disappointed that you didn't bring up hair and makeup people. Uh, you just bought a camera guy. I mean, what's going on? I know, right? Yeah. Now the entire world will be able to see that we all have faces made for radio. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. There's a reason why our camera is sitting over there in the corner with cobwebs on it. That is true. Well, for those people who don't know, Grant is a uh, broadcast journalist with AMI. Uh, and has come in today to talk to us and uh, give us a little bit of insight on how he got started and what life is like as a roving reporter. Well, uh, broadcasting and journalism is something that I was always really passionate about. As a kid, I loved to record up in my own bedroom on the cassette player, be my own little uh, DJ. Um, And when I was about 11, I took a voiceover course and I did a fundraising exercise to to raise the money, and I produced a little demo tape of me making stupid voices. Um, and at that point, AMI, which was around, but it was branded differently. It was branded as voice print, um, and it was a uh, reading service back then. They did an interview with me about my experience, um, and you know about my life and what it was like going through that. Uh, process. Um, So, AMI was aware of me when they were granted the TV license and began broadcasting out of Vancouver. At that point, I was in university studying uh, for Bachelor of Arts, Um, but I was also working with the Neil Squire Society because I was hoping to work while in school. So, I kind of had two fronts that I guess helped me be known by AMI and they invited me to start as a casual reporter. So in those days, I would go in for maybe one or two shifts a month um, and we do a lot of cool stories. My first story was the Vancouver Folk Music Festival. I was so nervous that I called it the Music Folk Festival at the time <laughs> and that unfortunately made it to air. Excellent. Um, but there were some really cool things that I was able to do. We reviewed an HD radio, and one of the things that I'd really kind of sold was, look, I'm I'm really passionate about accessible technology, and it just so happened that we were able to review that product, and that really opened the door to reviewing a ton of other products, some of them my own, like the Braille Note, the iPhone, a lot of products from Aroga. Um, So I think I really built up that... um, you know, I don't want to say reputation, but I, I built up that experience as, as a tech reporter. Um, and when the full-time position opened up in the spring of last year, I applied and sort of 
summarized all that I'd done over the last few years. And my team was incredibly supportive as well. And I was able to, to get in. So my title now is broadcast presenter. I'm working with a really cool team in Vancouver, as well as the head office in Toronto. And we put out about two stories a week on our flagship uh, magazine show called AMI This Week, uh, which are really a variety of stuff. Everything from profiles of inspiring people to tack to cool events ar- uh, around the community. Uh, how old of a guy are you? I'm 26. Wow, 26. And so, so you started this really early. I was 20. Well, you know, I think that um, the chance was out there. I really kind of tried to contribute as much as I could. Um, again, the, the team, uh, Amit, who's our uh, producer now, he used to be our, our videographer, um, and the producer we had at the time, John, um, and uh, uh Sylvie, who's our assignment editor, all of those people were really, really supportive of me and I think had a lot of faith in me. So I really have a lot of thanks to give for being blessed to work with that team. You see, now you said you have a Bachelor of Arts, is that right? I do. I have a Bachelor of Arts and most of my broadcast training has been uh, on on the job. Um, there is the opportunity for me to receive training, and I've taken a, a, a theater improv class last year. Um, but we do have some training summits uh, at our head office that I've attended. And yeah, a lot of it has just been building up that experience as we do story after story. Well, I think, I mean, you clearly, I mean, you you have a, a, a really a really good voice for, for broadcast. I mean, I'm sure that helps, but I mean, certainly better than mine or any of ours. No, speak for yourself. Yeah, well, (laughs) I think I think you guys are sounding great. Your podcast is super cool. I think the the guests that you've had on that you've lined up are are really impressive. I love the kind of, um, you know, one thing that I have to work on is I can be too sort of announcer ish, which (laughs) you you think is 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 great, but people I think prefer to hear when you're a little more. Uh, genuine and you know a little less formal so i think i've got lots of tips that i could pick up from you folks oh i don't know about that <laughs> like i said we are well, heavily edited <laughs> we we are but but you know it, i am too don't worry <laughs> but funnily enough you know there there are times when you know i'm sitting editing the show and i'll be like well you know what this is a little raw and it sounds but it sounds natural and i'll and i'll just leave it in because because of that because you know, the identity that we wanted to sort of put forth as a podcast was something a little bit more natural and a little bit more, yeah, you more know, loose. Something something mid-40s guys sitting around a table-ish. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah there you go. No, I mean, we that captured mean, that perfectly. We, we did. <laughs> that means a lot to people, you know, that, that um, ability to just be natural and have fun. Right. So. But I mean, 26, I mean, so you, you've got lots of time, though. I mean, if you decide that you do want to... Uh, you know, more training or you want to do, or I mean, have you ever thought about doing voiceover work or anything like that? You know, I mean, you never know what the future holds. I do. I'm really, really happy where I'm working. I do do some, uh, you know, lots of voiceover in the studio for our stories. I'm not sure if I would do voiceover work, you know, me making silly voices and stuff like that. I think that was kind of a cool way to to get into it as, as a kid. Um, but I find that I prefer talking just using my normal voice. Right. <laughs> it's funny. It's kind of embarrassing to listen back to that uh, demo tape now and hear me trying to be a witch and, uh, <laughs> you know, whatever. So, Wait, how old were you when you did the demo tape? I was, a, I think I was 12. Wow. Yeah, 11 or 12. And you brought it in with you, right? So we can sample it. <laughs> that's right oh, wow that's gee, impressive I, I, though I forgot <laughs> at 12 I was still learning that it was a really bad idea to take a margarine container filled with gasoline into the forest <laughs> and light it on fire nice so I mean you're doing demo tapes at 12 so that's that's impressive I actually have a friend who uh, has done quite well with his uh, voiceover work he's he's the uh, voice for one of my little ponies really oh, yeah neat and uh He's uh, one of the few male ponies, I guess. He, he's he's the brony. Okay. So he gets he actually gets 
shuttled around from place to place to go to uh, My Little Pony conventions. Oh, <laughs> nice. There's a whole My Little Pony subculture. Out there. Oh, I know. I saw the I saw the Netflix documentary that they oh did you that they did on on Bronies. Yeah. It's fascinating. Yeah, it's crazy. Eh? I bet he has a lot of fun doing that. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. Did it feel like a very organic process sort of breaking into the field? I mean, it sounds like you're you're all self-taught. They sort of, you know, slowly brought you on. Did it feel really natural? Was um, there ever any scary moments where you're just like, oh, my God, what? I can't believe I'm doing this. I don't think I ever thought, why am I doing this? Um, but there were definitely times you know, my first few interviews or especially when I had to talk about myself in the beginning um, that were, you know, I, I felt a little shy. Um, I would say, I would say it, it felt very organic. It's one of those things where you kind of wonder, are, you know, are people going to take me seriously? You know, I've written this review of this tech product. Have I covered all the important points? Is it easy to uh, to, to understand, it's easy to follow. Um, and certainly my first couple interviews, um, you know, there's, there's a level of, oh man, what am I doing? Um, <laughs> but I'm really lucky to be working for a company that provides training and support. I have a whole team behind me. So if stuff gets, you know, missed, um, you know, they're, they're always happy to, to jump in and help out. But I think certainly if I look back at the grant that I was in 2010, um, you know, I've done a, a lot of growing and hopefully, uh, hopefully improve, but yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it was a very organic process. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I mean, and I think that, you know, all of us here can relate too, because, you know, when we first started the podcast crowded around a little table in my office, uh, trying to do this, we were all, you know, terrified and had no idea what we're doing. And, you know, just over time and experience, you just develop, develop a, a skill set and you just become a little bit more comfortable with it. And it just sort of starts to come natural and very organic, right? Wait, mm -hmm. was I, was I supposed to develop a skill set through this? Uh, well, I'm assuming so. You don't throw up now before every podcast. Oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't know that's a skill. <laughs> <laughs> Not throwing up. Maybe I'll get to that point one day. <laughs> Just kidding. Typically, what kind of segments do you do? Well, our show is called AMI This Week. Um, and there's actually now a weekend edition as well, ATW Weekend Edition. Um, we call it a magazine show. And what that means is it's uh, really general interest. Um, so we do a huge variety of content everything from tech so for example recently uh we've done reviews on the iphone 7 and an entry-level uh, amazon kindle um we do profiles of inspiring people around the community often you know people with disabilities for example uh, a profile on uh jessica kruger uh who is a uh wheelchair rugby player sometimes the stories are just cool. Like, for example, we did a story about um, a recent change in the bylaws in Vancouver, which allows people to keep chickens in their backyard. Um, so we visited really? a family that had chickens uh, in their backyard and just chatted with them about um, what it's what it's like keeping keeping chickens. Um, so I think I would describe it as a regional look at cool stuff happening around the community often from a disability-related angle um, that's anything that's cool, there's a chance you can hear it on our show. And, and who comes up with the segment ideas? Who? Well, we're all allowed to, to pitch ideas, you know, um, if, and there are certainly ideas that I've pitched before. Um, we have a woman in our office named Sylvie who's uh, – her role – she's called the assignment editor – um, and her job is to really mine for, for those stories, whether that's going through uh, newspapers and uh, online articles, right. um, reaching out to a vast array of contacts that she has, or even attending different events around the community like the Ability Arts Expo or the, the, the Vision Teachers Conference. Um, she is pretty on top of things. She ha has built, you know, great relationships between 
AMI and other organizations in, in the community. Um, so again, a lot of the ideas come from her, but um, Amit pitched the idea about the the backyard chickens. Um, <laughs> I, I've pitched some tech reviews, um, you know, so, so again, anyone can pitch ideas. So it's a team effort, really. Yeah, it's a team effort. That's the long-winded way of saying that it's a team effort. And it's funny, you know, the more you describe it, you know, the more I sort of think about our little podcast and there's a, there's a lot of similarities too, you know, that's generally what what we do too, you know, I sift through news articles and sift through the Twitter feeds and the Facebook feeds and stuff looking for for things that are going on and interesting tech that's coming up and and uh, we kind of do the same thing you know i send it to ryan ryan reaches out gets us guests and yeah yeah i think that's pretty cool and i think there's real value to people for hearing about that you know stuff that's happening in the community that sometimes it just takes uh you know a face on screen or or hearing a, a voice an interview to kind of bring that a little closer to people give them an idea of what's happening in their community. So I think that's really valuable. Uh, this is going to be one question, but I think you might have already answered this one with the chicken thing. But what's the craziest segment that you've done? Uh, the craziest segment that we've done. I had a, a really cool experience going to CES, formerly known as the Consumer Electronic Show in Las Vegas earlier in January. Um, and we produced a full special about uh, that show as well as a little segment for our magazine show. And that was pretty amazing. The technology that they had on the floor was incredible. It was cool to take a look at some of the upcoming uh, tech trends. Uh, we did a, an interview with Stevie Wonder. Um, so, I mean, that, that was just wild. For wow. Me. I really enjoyed it. Um, but there's, we, we've never done a segment that I haven't liked. I love, you know, neat, wacky segments like uh, Backyard Chickens. <laughs> the profiles are just awesome. Like some of the people around the community are, are really inspiring. And I just feel really blessed to even have the chance to get to know them. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, all of the segments that we do become very close to you personally. I'm sure you probably find that with, with the podcast as well. Yeah. Yeah. We'll have to talk uh, off mic later and see if we can get the contact info for the, for the backyard chicken people. Cause that might be, I think a good show for we, January. We could just interview Grove and Diane. They have chickens mm -hmm. in their backyard. Do, what? Do yeah. they? Yeah. Really? Yeah. yeah. Chicken house. And... Yeah. No kidding. Just what for eggs? Yeah. Like do they, or do they, they slaughter them at some no, point? For eggs. Yeah, the, yeah. Just for fresh eggs. Yeah. Yeah. I don't believe you, you can't actually slaughter the chickens in your backyard, which is probably a good thing. <laughs> I, I guess um, so. Or maybe but, you just need a license to do that. I don't know. But, but eggs and, you know, I mean, kids love them, companionship. Um, they're kind of cool animals, chickens. Sure. Um, yeah, I go I, for a. I don't know. I pre I prefer them deep fried. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I might go for a dog instead, but you know, deep fried I would, dog. Yeah, I wouldn't deep fry no. a dog. <laughs> no, 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 no. As a pet. <laughs> this just here, Grant Hardy eats dogs. <laughs> uh, there you go. I'm representative for uh, you know. Peter will be calling. AT yes. <laughs> banter, breaking stories. <laughs> deep fried dog in a pita. There you go. Oh, jeez. Mm. <laughs> you're, yeah. you're turning it into a recipe now. <laughs> <laughs> nice. What's your favorite segment that you've done? Like, what's been the most fun? Um, The most fun. There's only one right answer, Grant. Really? That's our show. Come oh, on. Uh, <laughs> I, was, I wasn't even going there, but yeah, that's right. Just, just say this show, and then we'll just... <laughs> In terms of the most fun segment we've done, that's a, that's a super hard question to answer. Probably, you know, when I look back, um, it, you know, it might be it might be a tech segment. You know, one of the first reviews that I ever did on a, an iPhone. You know, one of the first tech, tech conferences I ever uh, you know attended. Just because it was one of those things where it's like your first experience where you realize, like, wow, I'm I'm really doing this. You know it. You know, it took me a while to prepare this review and, you know, I sent it in kind of wondering if it was going to be good or not. And it turns out that they helped me edit it down and we aired it. Um, 
so yeah, pro- I mean, probably a tech segment, but um, yeah, that's a really hard question. Our profile with um, uh, Jessica Kruger is pretty awesome. Um, she's a really inspiring uh, person, wheelchair rugby player that got a lot of views as well on our, our social media platforms. Um, we have a profile coming up on uh, Sean Heslop, who is in year one of a doctoral program in counseling psychology. He's also like a really amazing guy, very down to earth. Um, his his mission is to make counseling services more readily available to, to people with disabilities. Um, and he was also really out there with sharing his personal story of kind of struggling to accept his vision loss as he was, you know, entering the the blind community. Um, so yeah, a lot of those profiles really hit close to dear heart, um, right. but it's hard to pick one, one segment. What has been the coolest tech toy you've reviewed? Hmm. I would say that the coolest tech toys I've reviewed have been the iPhone and I've also really enjoyed reviewing the Braille Notes. We reviewed the original, the Braille Note M Power uh, back in 2011, I believe. And then we just recently reviewed the Braille Note Touch. I know that I probably am not going to be owning one anytime soon um, because you guys asked for it back. No, just kidding. <laughs> um, but it was, it was a pretty sweet gadget. So um, you Dragon Boat. Yeah. Yeah. I used to dragon boat. Did you? Yeah. Yeah. Used to uh, dragon boat on a team for Sunny Hill Hospital. Oh, right on. Uh, it was it was called Either Or. Okay. And uh, uh, are you on the... Uh, which team are you on? I am on Vision Impossible. Oh, which okay. Which is, um, as you know, there are you know, really a handful of teams for uh, to accommodate blind and vision impaired paddlers. But Vision Impossible is cool because it's just very recreational so part of it in fact a a big part of it is uh that that social aspect so we actually did a piece about my dragon boat team this year aired in the fall um and when i joined the team in 2015 it was a really challenging time in my life i just lost a a guide dog i wasn't working full-time i was kind of struggling with uh, you know, mobility, like just getting myself out there. And the the team was great. We, we clicked right away. Um, it, it gave me a great social outlet to go to every weekend. Um, and yeah, two seasons later, we're, we're in our, you know, it's the end of the season now because it only goes on in the summer. Um, but yeah, I'm really looking forward to next year. Excellent. So for those people who, I don't know, might be out of the area, and might not know what the heck dragon boating is. Good point. Uh, what is dragon boating? Because I don't. Well, I mean, I know. I know it's, it's a bunch of insane people get in these kayaks. Chinese war canoe. Chinese war <laughs> canoes on Saturday mornings and and Paddling. paddle around. And yeah, is there a I mean, big race at the end of the season? Is that how it works? Yeah, there's a there's a dragon boat festival. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. We usually do, uh, do the dragon boat festival in. Steveston in August, and there's a smaller festival in False Creek that we do uh, in June. And a dragon boat, I mean, it's basically, it's kind of like a, a, a long kayak. You know, it's a long, narrow boat with two paddlers on each row sitting side to side. Um, and, you know, you each paddle, you paddle on one side, um, and it kind of looks like a decorative, you know, dragon, the the boat. Um, but the idea is to paddle together in a synchronized way. Um, so you're all in time. Yeah, it's it's um, something you can really get into. It's a, a cool water sport and then it's both recreational and a competitive at the same time. And how many how many people are on a team? Is it 22 um, for a full boat? Yeah, no, max would be about 22. We kind of hovered under that number for our team. Um, but, you know, there's a good chance that, you know, 18 or 20 paddlers would show up for practice. And what, what, how long does the season run? Like, when does it start? Like, obviously not in the winter, I'm assuming. 
Um, I think you could go in the winter. Hey, Steve, but we, yeah. we go. Yeah, we and go. that totally sucks <laughs> when you're out on False Creek in the pouring rain uh, and it's cold. That's nasty. Yeah. Saturday morning at 8 a.m. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, forget that. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, we but go, there's people who do it. Yeah. yeah. And we go from April to August. And definitely by the end of the August, you can tell it's starting to get a little colder, a little rainy. And you're like, okay, maybe this is a summer sport. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yep. Yeah. What kind of other stuff does AMI do? Well, at, at a very high level, it is a multimedia organization it's nonprofit media company the the goal is to make accessible media for all canadians um and you know it concentrates on the growing number of canadians who are blind or print restricted in some other way um so ami tv is a national tv channel that's mandated by the crtc so every digital cable subscriber has to to get it and it has a good mix of, uh, you know, mainstream shows like Murdoch Mysteries and Law and Order, Property Virgins, Corner Gas, movies, kind of a kind of a you know huge mix of programming, um, which we add that second described video track. Mm. You know, you had uh, is Diane from Descriptive Video Works. We we had her on the show. And yeah, we had her on the show a few weeks ago. Yeah, and she was talking about that. So so we aired that those kinds of shows along with our own original content like our magazine shows right. more serious shows like Canada in perspective and challenges and change that really get into you know exploring employment and other social issues in a more serious way and those programs have description built in so we actually don't need that second voice because we just make sure that when we write our scripts or when people are speaking, that all the visuals are actually covered. Um, so it's so it's built right in. And there's AMI Audio too, which used to be a reading service. They would read, uh, you know, newspapers, magazine articles. Less of that content now that we have the internet and people can access that stuff online. Um, but they do still read, you know, the, the, the Guardian Weekly, stuff like that. Right. But they have their own original programs as well, such as Live from Studio 5, which is a daily morning show that covers everything from like health to technology, um, news, politics, uh, that kind of thing, um, as well as other original shows as well. And the other thing I want to mention is just AMI's advocacy of accessibility even outside their original content. So for example, um, AMI actually publishes a DV guide. So it gives you a list of all the programs on Canadian TV that are described, even if they're on other channels. Oh, cool. So you can access that on the AMI website. You can also access AMI's original programming on the website as well, like our magazine show. Yeah, it was interesting talking to Diane from Descriptive Video Works because she really was was pretty optimistic in terms of where things are going in terms of um, descriptive audio because um, or descriptive video rather. Uh, you know, she figures what was that number that she she told us right? Didn't she say that in five five years she figures five years most be, of the stuff would be yeah. described? I think I, she, I think she said everything prime time. Yep. Next year yeah. has to be described. That's right. Fast. Yeah. And yeah. is that is that mandated by the CRTC? That's yeah, mandated. That, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's funny, you know, because just I mean, one barrier to accessing described video content on other channels is just turning on the descriptive mode mm -hmm. on the cable box. I yeah. remember being at university, um, and I had this brilliant idea that you know I'm just going to get someone to turn it on for me and leave it on. Um, but what I didn't realize is that sometimes that track, at least back in those days, would either be silent or used for another know, program, another program, another language. So yeah. that's, I think, one advantage to having, you know, 24 hour a day channel with open described video and, and captioning. Um, but yeah, totally. I think it's great that that content, described content and accessibility is growing. Well, and I think too, you know, a lot of education needs to take place for the cable providers and satellite providers. You know, like 
Shaw, for instance, has a one-button remote mm-hmm. that you can use to turn on that SAP channel, but you call Shaw, they don't know what you're talking about. Right. Right? So right. education needs to be part of that solution as well. Right. Absolutely. Well, and probably as they mandate it and as it becomes more common, I mean, you'll you'll find that I'm sure that that, that problem sort of falls away and, you know, people will just know what... Hopefully. Totally. Although, you know, maybe I'm putting too much faith in Shaw employees, right? <laughs> well, it's, you know, it's Shaw, it's all them, right? <clears throat> well, it would be great to see cable boxes just more accessible. In Absolutely. General. Hopefully that's on the, the radar as well. Yeah, I would hope. The other big revelation we found out, though, from her, RedTube. Red or is it Pornhub? Pornhub. Pornhub. I'm sorry. What's porn- RedTube? I, nothing. I don't know. Wow. <laughs> we know you've been doing it. No, work. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> RedTube. Edit, 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 edit. edit. <laughs> God damn it. Well, after this, we're all going to go check out RedTube. <laughs> find out what it is, what you're talking about. Absolutely. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, anyways, uh, let's get back to grant eating dogs. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to Google RedTube, but maybe not no. on the office. <laughs> but yeah, no, porn. It's true. Pornhub is uh, descriptive, yeah. descriptive video. Descriptive porn. <laughs> Crazy. Which she, she actually critiqued. She says it's terrible. It's not It's not well described at all. Yeah. So, well, it, it's, yeah. And I think they're working on that, right? Yeah. They are actively. There's somebody yes. in a room somewhere actively working on that. I think, well, I think Diane said the original description was done poorly until they got involved. That's right. Because they're the ones doing it now. Yes. Yeah. Crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what a crazy got, world we live in. You've got to think there's such an emphasis on... Part, part of me wants to just go there and, and listen to it, just Close to hear, what they're, listen. hear yeah. what they're doing. Because uh, to me, describe, he, I, describe porn would probably be really uninteresting. Yeah, that's what I, I think. Yeah. It's like listening to an audio book. <laughs> and then he... Wait, I'm not sure what I'm looking at. What the hell is that? <laughs> what has he got on the lens? Like, what what is going on? Another uh, show, another about, show. But we digress. Anyways. Um, uh, I understand AMI is also working uh, for, to do uh, described video for the CBC as well now. AMI has described live programming in the past, for example, uh, with the generous partnership of the CBC for, let's say, the, the royal wedding. And it is simulcasted, you know, with... 30 second delay or so on AMI as well as CBC. Um, and in real time, you know, live, um, the describers are writing the script and feeding it to the, the, the talent, the voiceover, uh, the person doing the voiceover, um, so that they can describe the event as it's going out live on, on AMI TV. So, that's pretty cool. AMI also describes, for example, uh, has described live Toronto Blue Jays games. Um, so yeah, that live description more um, more prevalent now, and uh, it's definitely quite an art. But I think it's pretty cool for the the brave people that are willing to write those scripts and voice them. Yeah, it's got to be a lot of pressure having to write your script in under thirty seconds and feed it, it off to somebody. That's yeah, we, I that's mean, fast. Again, Diane from from Descriptive Video Works talked a little bit about that because they they do the same thing, and uh, it is it's a real it's a real specific uh, skill set to be able to improv plus write. You know, it's uh, and there there is a lot of improv training that apparently that they do. I'm sure there is. Well, and for it's, that, yeah, and I mean, it's one of those things where you know it's not like a a, a play or something where maybe you've seen it a few times. It's literally a, a live event that you're totally on the spot thinking on your feet and trying to figure out how to describe the important detail to a, a vision impaired audience. Yeah, absolutely. Very cool. <laughs> and now, um, is AMI, is, is the head office here or is it, or where, where are they based? Uh, the head office is in Toronto. Um, we have bureaus, you know, kind of satellite offices in Vancouver, Edmonton, Ottawa, and Halifax. And they're small offices. You know, they're they're four people in in our office, whereas the Toronto office is quite quite huge. Um, but you know, I know one thing that's really important is is that that regional programming from Vancouver or Victoria, Kelowna, you know. 
Saskatchewan, Halifax, all across Canada, which uh, is really why, you know, they have those, those bureaus that are a little closer to those places so that we can get in there and send some awesome stories back to Toronto. So you guys share all the, re- all the content that you guys produce? Like, so did they, do you, do you air the Vancouver uh, segments over, you know, in Edmonton and vice versa? Yeah. Yeah. The channel is actually, there's a, a West Coast feed and an East Coast feed that's just different in terms of the time. Um, but it, yeah, it's the same channel across the country. Um, so, you know, pretty much everything is handled in Toronto in terms of, for example, we will send a story that we've done into Toronto and there'll be some QC quality control from the senior producer in Toronto and then it's slated for for the show. So, you know, AMI this week has stories from across the country in a single episode. I see. Yeah. So being that this show is called AT Banter, Grant, what types of assistive technology do you use to be able to do your job? My Braille Note Apex, which I've had for years, ever since I've been in school, um, I have grown to really depend on it. I know it's not the most modern technology in the world, but it's great to just be able to open it up and start reading in, in Braille and taking notes. So I use that. It also pairs with my iPhone, which I, again, love, kind of use from the morning when I get up to sprint to the bus stop, um, to on the bus to do music or look at work email, do work, um, kind of all throughout the day. Um, at work, I've got a, I've got a PC um, with, with JAWS and I can hook my Braille display up to that as well. Um, and yeah, computer at, at home, I actually use a, a Mac. So yeah, I think that's the technology that I rely on mostly. Do you, do you have uh, thoughts or suggestions on some cool things that I could work into my repertoire? No, and we're asking the question. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, trying to turn it around on us, are you? Nice, nice, nice. try. Nice try. <laughs> so tell us, what kind of dogs taste the best, Grant? <laughs> well. <laughs> I mentioned Chihuahua fingers. With, with Chihuahua fingers. You're pretty bony. Schna- Not a lot of meat. Schnauzer on a bun. Yeah, I, I don't know. Um, I, well, so I get the sense you're an Apple guy. You, you seem to like the iPhone. I do. Okay, you're sitting at a table with a bunch of Android guys. <laughs> We're going to so, beat you up after this now. So, uh, but no, let's. But let's talk about that. What I mean, what is it about about uh, iOS or or Apple products in particular that you that you really sort of key into? You know, at the end of the day, you know, the iPhone and iOS is the platform that I've used for for years. So I'm obviously the most comfortable with it. Um, I, you know, I find it pretty intuitive to be honest i use a lot of the services like imessage and and apple music so i'm kind of totally ingrained you know within the ecosystem um but i've gotten quite a collection of apps as well that i really love using uh so move it for real-time transit directions um look tell recognizer and money reader uh, the Blind Square uh, and Nearby Explorer GPS apps. I have an app called Lear, L-I-R-E, uh, where I read my my news feeds. Um, so I guess it probably comes down to comfort, uh, ease of use, and uh, you know Braille support seems to be pretty good. Uh, no complaints on that front. So yeah, I'm open to exploring other platforms for sure, but um, I probably won't jump ship uh, at, at this point. Well, you may have a point. I mean, I recently with with Apple's new accessibility website, I have to say, and the videos that they've been producing are pretty impressive. Actually, we'll probably talk about that on one of the one of the future shows for sure, because I I get the sense that they're they're really starting to take accessibility seriously. I think so, yeah. Not that they, and I mean, they've always they have been for quite a while. Yeah, yeah. they've always yeah. been at the forefront, absolutely. But yeah. I think that they really seem to be pushing it these days. And and I really love how 
and I know this is kind of growing with other platforms too, but you know, I love how you can just pull the stuff out, even a, you know, computer, if you need to, you know, erase the hard drive or whatever, you know, set it up and everything just kind of talks, um, from, from start to finish. So yeah, I, I find it all very elegant and works really well together, but I have no doubt other platforms are, are great too. Well, I mean, I'll, I'll fully admit that the only thing that drove me away from Apple was iTunes. Bleep. Yeah, yeah. Bleep that out. Yeah, what? yeah. Bleep out that. That's a dirty word around <laughs> iTunes. Yeah. iTunes. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I know, right? Like, it's just uh, the, that was really the only reason. I mean, the 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 phone itself, and even iOS itself was was fine. It was just it was just the the pain of dealing with having to with, sync using iTunes with, with iTunes. Yeah. You know that that software. It needed to a complete rebuilding so many years ago, and they just never seemed to do it. Well, and I've always heard too, though, that it works better on a Mac. It just was never designed for Windows. Well, maybe that's the problem. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think you know, to be honest, um, I've certainly had to adapt around iTunes. Like, I used to have a certain folder structure that I stored my music in. I actually used the the mod the modified date so that I could just sort the folder and hear the new newest songs first. Um, so I've I've really had to adapt to iTunes, um, but it it is totally doable for me now on the Mac. But I certainly understand that in, in Windows it's gotten you know a lot worse in terms of accessibility. I don't want to you know I haven't tried it in the last couple versions, but th- that is unfortunate to hear. Well, and who knows? Maybe eventually they'll they'll get their act together, and you know, I, I mean, I certainly would take another look at at going back to an iPhone if they revamped iTunes. If they if they said, "Hey, we rebuilt iTunes; it's no longer a nightmare. You can just drag and drop stuff, no problem." I would I would take another look at it, but. See, and I really like Android because you got so many more choices for screen size and button layouts, and you know. It's a little bit more fragmented, but you got a lot more choice, and you don't really pay that Apple premium. Totally. Well, okay, we should talk a little bit about this. Now, you guys, Steve and Grant, you guys kind of go back a ways, don't you? Little little ways, yeah. Little ways. Yeah. So can you tell the audience about that? Well, we I, I guess our our first meeting was uh, I don't I don't even know how old you were back then, but uh, I delivered his first uh, computer system to him. Way back when, uh, I, I think it was, was it Windows-based or was it DOS-based back then? Oh, I think it was Windows 95. I was, was about 95. Okay. I was about six. Yeah. Um, wow. And, yes. And, uh, and it had a, a telesensory, uh, was it a, it wasn't a power braille, was it a navigator? I, navigator braille display? I think, I think it was a navigator. <laughs> and uh, yeah, initially I, uh, I trained your brother, mm-hmm. uh, Graham, how to, how to use it. And, uh, in about, uh, a week or so, um, he was calling me with questions I couldn't answer cause he had already learned more than I knew about it. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, uh, he had also remapped all of the keys on the front of the Braille display <laughs> yeah. just to screw with you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh yeah. That's some brotherly love. <laughs> indeed. Indeed. Yeah. Yeah. I was kind of, I mean, I was pretty young. So in the beginning, you know, I didn't have a huge desire really to focus necessarily, but you did do some, some training with me in the beginning and it did, um, quickly, quickly dawn on me that it was a pretty incredible system. And, uh, it was really kind of how my love of technology began. And so you, that's funny because you're kind of one of this this new generation of of people who grew up with 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 accessible that tech. level yeah, yeah mm-hmm. with that level yeah. of of accessible technology right yeah prior to that it was it was you know there were there were adaptive aids mm-hmm. but um, they they were nowhere near as uh, as prevalent and nowhere near as sophisticated as as uh, what we have now um, you know I I, I think about um, your brother who's working as a lawyer now. Um, and, uh, um, some of the lawyers that I knew back then, and in order to put themselves through law school, they actually read all of their 
stuff using an Opticon, which is a, uh, (laughs) for those who don't know, it's a uh, a handheld camera. It was, it was developed by, I think, VTech or Telesensory, one or the other. Um, But it's a handheld uh, camera that you run over a line of text and you've got an array of pins that you rest your finger on and it doesn't convert to Braille. It just, uh, the pins form the shape of the letters that you're passing the camera over. So you actually feel each each individual letter and you have to be very accurate tracking across the line of it. Um, you, You actually had to go for training down in California to learn how to use it. Uh, and, uh, well, at least in the early days he did. And, uh, yeah, people actually put themselves through law school and that's a lot of reading. I find that just amazing. That's somebody who wants to be a lawyer really bad. Oh yeah. Yeah. Determined. Darn determined. So. Yeah. I was pretty spoiled growing up (laughs) with all that cool technology. And the cool thing was every year, because it was still kind of in development, right? Every year there'd be a big update to JAWS or Windows with, well, maybe not Windows every year, but, you know, one year. Windows. Now you can access the, inter- the the internet with JAWS. The next year, you know, contracted Braille on the computer. So every, every update, there was something really new and huge that always kept me excited. Yeah. Yeah. So. We kind of have a tendency to take it for granted now, but it, it was a it was a long haul mm-hmm. getting to, to where we are now. Yeah, pretty cool. Absolutely. And then, of course, we also crossed trails later on down the road at the uh, CNIB Bowen Island uh, camps. You're, you were one of my my campers, my happy mm-hmm. campers. Yeah. Yeah, Steve oh. always worked really hard at um, coordinating the technology and volunteering at uh, Team Tech Camp. Um, so, yeah, definitely very memorable. Wait, wait. There were, there were actually... Mm-hmm. The Bowen Island camp? I thought that Absolutely. was just an excuse Steve used to just go out and, <laughs> and just, you would just take a week off. And Arbor I thought that Cruise. was, that was, yeah, right. that was, that was code for something. I didn't actually realize that they know. actually happened. That was, that was, that was a genuine thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I did that for nine years, I think. Sounds about right. Yeah. It's a shame that they don't do them anymore. Yeah. Well, they, they, they do have a it's camp. So it's not a technology camp anymore though. Um, the CNIB sold the Bowen Island property. Right. And uh, they moved the camps out to a place called Sajak Ranch uh, out in uh, uh, out by Mission, okay, um, which is a really cool, totally accessible uh, camp. And they've got you know they've got horses, they've got goats and chickens, and they've got they're right on um, uh, I think it's the Pit River, if I recall. I'm not not 100 percent sure on that, uh, but they've got a nice little uh, area where you can canoe. Um, they've got a swimming pool, um, and it's all it's all set up so it's completely wheelchair accessible as well. Wow, nice! So yeah, it's a it's a really neat camp. And do they run that in, around the same time? Uh, yep, they run it every yep, year. They run it in the summer, but yeah, there's no longer any sort of technology component to that camp anymore. So it's just a pure camp. Yep, it's just a camp. I see. What? Uh, where can people find AMI on their on their old TV tuner? Well. Here on the West Coast, um, it is 888 on Shar Telus. Again, Triple H, AMI Audio 889. Um, if you go to the website at ami.ca, um, you will be able to find the correct channel number in your part of the country. And you'll also be able to watch. AMI this week and our other programming online. So that's that's important to, to remember. You don't have to just um, you know PVR it. You can watch it online. Twitter is at Accessible Media and Facebook is facebook.com slash Accessible Media Inc. And we post lots of cool stuff as, as well. Um, so yeah, ch- check it out. And what time does, does uh, AMI this week air? Uh, well, uh, on the, uh, so again, we have an East and a West Coast TV channel and on those channels, AMI this week airs on 7.30 on Monday nights. The weekend show actually first airs at 11 p.m. on Friday night, you know, if you're up late night, um, but they, they repeat multiple times throughout the weekend and throughout the, the week. 
Um, so depending on you know where you are, the times might be slightly different. But on the website ami.ca, there's there's a schedule that you can check out. You are so much better at telling your website and Facebook feed and <laughs> oh. everything than we are. Oh no, and it's, and it's almost that time. <laughs> to do that. that time. Oh no! <laughs> All right. Well, before we we try to butcher that, uh, we should really thank Grant for coming in. Hey, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. It's been great having you, and it's been fun uh, participating in your process as well with the, the cameras rolling. It is. So. We, we have to thank your entourage. Thanks for coming in. And Thank uh, you, entourage. Yeah. I understand you've got some pretty cool content for next week as well. Oh, we do. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. Duh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I have to tell you, we're crapping our pants over talking about <laughs> <to> Rick. <Hansen. laughs> well, it's not Stevie Wonder yet, but. No, but still, Rick Hansen. Yeah. The, man, the man in motion it was, himself. I, to be honest, it was one of those things where just like, oh, just reach out to him. He's just going to say not get an answer or just say no. And I've got, got his a, home phone number now. Got, so. he, <laughs> like, yeah, he got back to us and said, sure. So that's the amazing thing about that we've learned about having some mics and a mixing board is that if you ask people if they want to come on a podcast, generally they'll say yes. Yeah. It's pretty No exciting. matter who they are. So. That's super Nif- exciting. Nifty Nito. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's, you know, he's it's he's no Oscar the Blind Cat, but... Oh, I don't know. <laughs> Listen, Oscar's cool. Oscar's going into space. Oscar is going... In- Anyways, okay, we digress again. Okay, Ryan, where can people find us? People can find us online at atbanter.com. I just about blew Whoa. that. Okay, let's try that again. It's blowing the website. That doesn't, that, that doesn't bode thing well for the email address. Oh, wow. No, it really doesn't. Uh, people can also email us at... Steve. atbanterpodcast at gmail.com. Yes. Awesome. And people can find us on Twitter at, at AT underscore banter. They can find us on Facebook. They can find us on YouTube. They can find us on Google Plus for the moment. Or just on the good old internet. That's right. Just type AT Banter and you will be inundated with wonderful links. Banter stuff. Banter, banter. Uh, otherwise, uh, of course, all the AMI info we will put in the show notes. Make sure that you tune in, see our ugly faces at some point. Yep. Check it out. And, uh, that will certainly do us. Thanks again, Grant, for coming in and, uh, we'll see everybody next week. Cheers. This podcast has been brought to you by Aroga Technologies. Visit Aroga Technologies online at www.aroga.com. That's A-R-O-G-A.com. Music provided by bensound.com.